Hi, this is Jessica Heron, mom of two, serial entrepreneur, the founder and CEO of Stella and Dot Social Retail. And this is my podcast, Self Made. Welcome to season two. This podcast is filled with take action tips and inspiration to help you create the life that you want, integrating success in work, life, and your personal well being. Our core belief at Self Made is that you are in charge of you. Only you can define your success and only you can create it. Success is not one size fits all and it's not for just the predetermined few, it's for you. This podcast is a companion way to learn to Self Made University, an online and open place to discover free courses to help you level up in life and in business. Welcome to this episode of the Self Made Podcast. This episode, I'm going to do something new. I'm going to do a book review. And this is not just any old book, but it sure is an old book. I don't know if you have read this, but if you've not, let me just shortcut and say this is going to be like an advertisement to go get yourself this book on Audible, easy listen, or an old copy, super cheap because they've been floating around out there since 1936. This is How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. And it's one of the best-selling books of all time. In fact, 15 million books sold. And by the way, for a self-development book or business book, that's so many. I mean, usually the books that sell in huge volumes are things that are universally appealing, like cooking books or health and nutrition books. Business books have a smaller audience. So I was just curious to read this one because why does this have such a enduring audience when this was first created in 1936? Now, why would I pick this book right now? Actually, I'm reading two books. I'm reading this book on change management. And I'm going through a lot of change right now. And for our strategy of our business, and I love it. I believe in it. It's all about the future. But really, you've got to think about the transition, not just the change itself, in order to help yourself and other people move through. And within that, I was thinking a lot about people. And this book was making me think about, you know, the nature of people and how you can help them realize potential and opportunity rather than looking at at things that have been uh, in the past that might be holding them back. And when I did that, I started thinking about, you know, all these different case studies of companies changing. And no matter what industry it was in, people had the same obstacles. And it's because people are people and they are the same. So that made me think about just people management. And I'm wondering if things that were going to be true uh, now were also true 10 years ago, 20 years ago. And that's how I just stumbled upon this book, started listening to it on Audible. And I have to say, where has this been all my life? Dale Carnegie, you're genius. And no wonder 15 million copies have been sold. First of all, it's an easy listen or read. It tells interesting stories about historical figures and their personality and why that made them successful with other people or not. So it's rich full of information that is for sure why it stood the test of time. But it's also because it just speaks this basic lesson about humans that is true in 1936 and true in 2020. And it's basically be nice, be a good listener. 
I'm going to sum up the book. But before I do, I want to just drill in this point. Do you know how long ago 1936 is? I mean, if you think about it, this is what was going on in the world. Okay, the cost of living in 1936, an average house, new house, cost $3,925. That's a long time ago. The average wage per year was about 1700 bucks a year. The book Gone with the Wind was just published that summer. And Billboard magazine, uh, actually Billie Eilish just swept the Grammys, but this was uh, the first time that Billboard magazine published the first pop music chart. Because this is a very long time ago. Oh, and I, I found one other interesting fact when I was trying to think about how long ago 1936 was. That was the year that a French chemist by the name of Eugene Schuler invented sunscreen. I mean, what were people doing before sunscreen in 1936? Uh, and, and interestingly enough, Eugene, he went on to become the founder of L'Oreal Cosmetics. Fascinating, right? Oh, and then the other thing, uh, right now in modern times, it is Mexit when you think of the crown and what's going on with our British royal friends. Uh, but back then in 1936, Queen Elizabeth wasn't even queen yet even though she's reigned for over 75 years, this was when all the scandal was breaking out in case you're binge watching The Crown on Netflix, which if you're not, you should. It's awesome. Uh, this is when Edward had uh, was having affairs with the married women and then became king and then he abdicated the fr- throne. That's what was going down in 1936. Like That's how long ago that was. So can you even believe that a, a book that was written in that time wouldn't be just kind of crazy, sexist, totally out of date, out of touch with people and the way that we live and think today and connect with each other. And I read it and I was like, this should be standard reading for my children. I I sent them a little meme the other day by text on their way off to school, um, which was just, you know, I found it on the internet where all wisdom comes from. And it, it said something along the lines of, no one will remember what you got in that math class, but they will remember if you were kind and you were the kind of person who sat with a lonely kid at lunch. Because I really do think that what I want my children to be as humans, what I want, I want to be as a human is just kind. And when you interact with people, they're left better off by having known you for that moment than, than not. And it, that is more enduring, more important in life than all these other things. Yet, if you think about how we spend our time, certainly it's rigorous academics and sports and all these things for our for children. When you go into the workforce, it's all about functional skill sets. And, and when you think about the fundamentals of people, think about this in business class, in business school, or even undergrad when I was learning economics or in business school when I was learning general business, this book should have been like a textbook because it is the best. All right, so that's enough of my rave reviews. You're probably like, all right, let's just talk about what's in the book right now. Well, it's basic. It is about, uh, when we're talking about how to win friends and influence people, first of all, catchy title, go Dale. There's a few sections. It talks about how to handle people, six ways to make people like you, win people to your way of thinking, and be a leader how to change people without giving offense or arousing resentment. I'm going to pick out uh, just a highlight from each of those four sections. And then I'm going to encourage you just to go listen to it. That's actually going to be your self-made challenge is go get this. And maybe once a month or so, I'll do a little book review and 
sometimes I'll think, you know, that was it. The summary, like it should have been a blog post. Do nothing more. Whatever you do, don't go take time to read this book. This one I'm actually going to say, your self-made challenge should be just to go soak this baby up because it is, it is worth it. Okay. So number one out of techniques for handling people, it's don't criticize, condemn, or complain. I mean, we all know this, right? Honestly, I think it's about presencing this in your mind and then checking yourself in your day-to-day. Kind of like when you meditate and have a mantra in the morning and you use the same mantra again and again. It's not because you forgot what it was since yesterday. It's just that by presencing it in your life, in your mind, you then go about your day and make a different path throughout that day, a different impact throughout that day because it is top of mind. So if you think about this concept of going through your day and interacting with people, how often are you criticizing, condemning, or complaining? If you are a parent or if you are a teacher and you've been told how to interact with kids, the the most truest of humans, you've often been probably heard praise what the good behavior versus just criticizing the negative. And that's because you want to shine the light on what you want to see grow. And I think that there's something here around making sure that you really keep your criticisms and condemnation and complaining in check. And why that can be hard to do is because you can be right. Something could be wrong and you could be right that it's wrong and you could get a lot of juice and satisfaction to pointing out loudly, broadcasting on social media, telling anyone who will listen, texting your friends, calling your friends and telling them how right you are and how wrong you've been. But none of that energy actually goes towards getting the original circumstance to improve in the long run over time. If you think about a um, kid with bad behavior, I was reading about this story the other day where a toddler was coloring on the walls. And I have a 13-year-old and 15-year-old, and I can guarantee you at some point in their life, they both took crayons and colored on the walls. And of course, in that moment, you want to scream and be like, stop doing that. What are you doing? But it doesn't work. They just cry because they don't really understand what they're doing. They just hear rage and anger. And what you need to do is keep reinforcing, you know, you need a sister. No, sure. But what's much more effective is taking out a piece of paper. And when they color on the paper, celebrating that so that you're reinforcing the goodness. It wouldn't work if you were just criticizing the negative behavior. This sweet little thing would never know what the good stuff was. And if they only got attention during the negative, sometimes they might just do more of that just to get attention if you weren't paying enough attention to all the goodness. That's true not just for toddlers. It's true for siblings and spouses and work uh, associates and whether it's someone you manage or someone that is your manager, a company that you're interacting with that you're providing services to, or it's the airline providing you services and you go up to an agent, you could scream at them and complain, or you could reinforce the positive, what do you think that person is going to be more likely to do next, right? If you're talking about their how amazing they are, they're much more likely to go find a way to give you an upgrade. If you're talking about how much they suck, they're probably going to tell you to you know go wait in the line over there to deal with customer service because it's not their fault, the weather's bad, and they just can't take it. <laughs> so if you just check yourself on how often are you criticizing, condemning, or complaining versus handling people with, this goes right into the next section, ways that will make them like you. There's a lot of good stuff in here, like smile and be genuinely interested in other people. And those are all great tips. But I wanted to pick out this one that I loved, 
which is talk in terms of the other person's interest. This tip has probably got to have been in like an article you read around how to be interesting at a cocktail party, which is don't go up and talk about yourself. You've probably heard that you need to be interested in order to be interesting, which is interested in other people versus only interested in yourself and talking about yourself. Well, thinking of it this way of getting people to like you or being persuasive or effective in a workplace or a situation or a group project, when you can look through the lens of another person's wants and needs and eyes, and you can talk to them about what they're interested in, that is going to be way more effective. Dale Carnegie uses the example that he likes to fish. And when he goes to fish, he doesn't bait his hook with berries and cream. Okay, that feels like a little old school 1936 dessert, um, berries and cream. I would pick uh, dark chocolate with caramel and sea salt. So, but the point is that would be my favorite dessert. I would still bait a hook with a worm if I'm trying to catch a fish. So often we try to persuade other people or hook them in by telling them what we like, what we're interested in and our benefit. And it does, it's ineffective versus really putting yourself to know and understand someone else's point of view and what other person is interested in. Then all of a sudden that person will hear you. They will think you are uh, insightful and interesting. And that's certainly going to make them like you. Uh, but it's also going to make you be more effective in working together and coming to a common solution or something that serves you better too. Now, the next section is win people to your way of thinking. This is a point in here that I just, I love, and it's something I think we all need to do. Uh, It is, if you're wrong, admit it quickly and emphatically. Again, my teen daughters, I honestly don't think they listen to my podcasts, but if I talked about them on it, they would probably be upset. So I will not name which daughter this is, (laughs) but I will tell you, one of them tends to be very defensive. So if you say, you know, hey, you left your shoes here, pick them up. Her instinct will be to tell you to defend why she left the shoes there and why she couldn't pick them up versus being like, I'm sorry, I'll go pick up those shoes. I'm sure you don't want to trip over them. And I'm sure you know where this is going, right? When someone is defensive because they're just not admitting why they're wrong and they're not empathetic, it only makes the person pointing out the wrong angrier. And like, you're missing the point. You're not getting it. Let me tell you again why this is a problem. And it'll escalate into why can't you be responsible and blah, 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 blah. When really, if you are in a situation where you are wrong, you have just done something wrong. It doesn't have to be the level of wrong the other person thinks. But again, if you're looking through their lens and you can be empathetic and say, I can understand why you feel that way. It must be disappointing that you've asked me to do this before and I didn't do it. Um, I apologize. And that's not really not acceptable. I want to be better at being impeccable with my commitments and, and really serving that. And you actually are, you admit it quickly. You're even empathetic. You're even like kind of over the top about like, that's a huge problem. You know, like I'm not honoring my commitments to you. And then, you know, what would happen in this shoe situation with me and unnamed daughter? If she said that to me, I'd be like, oh, honey, don't worry about it. It's just a pair of shoes. Here, I'll, I'll pick them up for you, <laughs> right? Because if you, they are on it, and not obviously this has to all be in a place of sincerity. It can't be like you're just gaming the other person. But don't take this into a workplace context, right? If you have a person who's made an error at work, Dale uses the example of someone who does the wrong uh, calculation for the register at, at a, as a cashier. 
if I think about someone who's made a tactical error at work and it's resulted in us sending something to the wrong printer or an error in an email or um, the wrong quantity ordered or wrong shipping something, you know, these things can happen because people are human. And despite having process and despite having uh, checks and balances, if you're dealing with products and people, you're going to have errors. It's just, you just are. You're going to try to prevent the errors, but it could still happen at some rate. And then when that person does make that error, do you, in, in, and you want to go talk to them about it, the, I'm going to feel way more confident if that person feels like, oh my gosh, I made that error, won't happen again, moving on, right? You're going to feel like, I really trust this person, they're very conscientious. That could end in them having elevated responsibility versus them being berated on the other side. So if you're wrong, admit it quickly and emphatically. I love that. I think that was just such a great, such a great one. Um, now, next is be a leader, how to change people without giving offense or arousing resentment. This is just, there was so much goodness in this one. It was really uh, hard for me to pick like one point to call out from a book review point of view, the cliff notes, the summary view, but I'm going to pick this one because I think it applies to personal life and happy marriages and happy relationships. It is this, praise the slightest improvement and praise every improvement. Be hearty in your approbation and lavish in your praise. Okay, that's also a little old school language because I'm not sure I know what approbation means, except in context, I could figure out it means compliments. So here's the thing. If you are in a friendship or a relationship or in whether that be platonic or romantic or whatever it is, bottom line is other people can get on your nerves and you can get on their nerves especially if you are on a fault-finding mission, right? If I wanted to find the things that are annoying about my husband, right, they would be plentiful. And oh my gosh, if he wanted to find them about me, it would be, it would be so sad, right? He, he could be annoyed with me all the time for little things I do. Like, by the way, I'm the one that leaves my shoes on the floor all the time. He could be super annoyed with that. And if you were always harping on me for it, I would be really frustrated. I would be like, dude, I'm busy. I'm tired. I, I would, I, oh, I wonder where that daughter got this from. <laughs> I'd be defensive. I'd be like, you know what? Is it really that big of a deal? Instead, he does this to me. If I do like any, if I put something away, he'll be like, oh, honey, thank you. It's so nice when you do that. He actually also has this really dialed in that if I ever make him lunch on the weekends or bake something or cook things, his praise is so lavish that I love doing it because he's so over the top with compliments. So whether it's a correction or just behavior you want repeated, think about that one. So with my kids, one of the things when you are in this principle of like, you got to be all the way right or all the way perfect, or I'm not going to give you any praise for effort or improvement. I am just going to keep telling you about why you're not perfect and what's not wrong and pointing out the errors. I'm not going to focus at all on your progress. I'm only going to point out a level standard because if I don't, then you won't ever reach it or you will take me for granted or you won't do it. Does that work? No, it does not work. Then it doesn't work just inside of a romantic relationship. It doesn't work with employees. It doesn't work with companies you're dealing with. It doesn't work with humans in life. If you want people to move towards your ideals, one, recognize they may have never meet them. But what I'll tell you is they for sure will never meet them is if you browbeat them over the head that they're not hitting your perfect ideals versus making baby steps of progress. If you lavish praise on all the good, any progress, 
watch the speed of improvement increase. So that's just something to think about. How much are you browbeating because people are not meeting your ideals versus praising the slightest improvement and every improvement? Okay, I like it. I like it. Those are all the tips. So that's it. That is your summary of how to win friends and influence people. What do you think? I think it's pretty relevant. Something that was around in 1936 is, is right today. And I certainly hope, it actually makes me feel better because Dale uses these mistakes, like how he used to not do this. And, and now he is writing this book, which is just, I think, so wise and so great. I'm definitely making my, my kids read it. <laughs> and, and I hope that you get something out of it. And you also think inside yourself, which I did, as like, oh, I don't always do that. Why did I do that? You know, I should do that more. But that's great. That's what learning feels like. So don't beat yourself up. Let the same rules apply to you. Don't berate yourself if you're not doing everything perfect. Rather, lavish approbation on your incremental improvement because after all, you are self-made. Thanks for listening to this episode, my friends. If you took anything away from this episode, will you do me a huge favor? Please take a minute right now to subscribe to the Self-Made Podcast. Drop a review online. You know the drill. Wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Google, Also, share it with a friend. Forward it. Spread the word that this is an amazing resource to help others grow too. And if you share it online, use the hashtag selfmadepodcast. Oh, and tag me too, at Jessica Heron, so I can say hello and thank you. If you are a visual learner, remember that this is a companion to Self Made University, easily found online at selfmadeuniversity.com. So go ahead and check it out. Discover courses that will help you level up in life and business, letting you do you better than you ever have before.